Welcome to the King's Chapel Alaska podcast. From wherever you are listening, we are so excited that you tuned in today. Let's prepare our hearts to hear from God's Word. Well, since I'm from that little island, you got to make me feel at home. Aloha! Ah, see, the snow melted when you said it. Amen. Hey, remain standing. Let's get into the Word. I've got a good Word for you tonight. You should have the notes, and they're quite extensive, but they're only something that you can take home and preach to somebody else. Amen. We're going to turn to Genesis chapter 11, verses 32 through 12, 9, and uh, I want to say aloha to all those who are online. Looking forward to having the word of the Lord preached in power tonight. Let's look at verse 32 of chapter 11. You got it there? The numbers are so small on my Bible, I don't know which one's 32, but I think it's this. Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, son of Iran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, the wife to his son Abram, and together they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to where? Oh, you missed it. To go where? To Canaan. But when he came to Haran, they settled there. And Terah lived 205 years and he died in Haran. And the Lord had said to Abraham, or Abram, leave your country, your people, and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great and you will be a blessing and I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram left. As the Lord had told him and lot with him, Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Moreh at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. And from there he went toward the hill east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and I on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called the, on the name of the Lord. Then Abram set out and continued toward the Negev. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you for your word. I thank you for what you're doing in this great house. I thank you for the miracles that are taking place in the lives of your people here in this great church. And Lord, I just thank you for the privilege you've given me this day to be here in Wasilla. I pray, Holy Ghost, that you would now visit us and come in power. Breathe, God, upon us. Begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. Come on, Spirit of the living God. I recognize that without you we can do nothing, but with you all things are possible. So Holy Ghost, come. Give me great liberty and freedom to preach your word that I might impart truth that will change the direction of generations of people. I pray, oh God, that you would give us ears to hear and a heart to respond and eyes to see. Holy Ghost, come. Come in power upon your people. And when we leave, 
May we leave changed, and I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. How many of you know that the blessings of God are real? Let me see your hand. I believe they are. God has blessed my family greatly, way beyond anything I would ever deserve. He's given me a wife that loves me. How many know we'll be celebrating 50 years in just a few months? How many know that's a miracle? Hallelujah. He's given me three kids that love Jesus and seven grandkids that all love Jesus. And I wouldn't be surprised if every single one of them would be in the ministry. He's given me a great congregation and great leaders to work with, like Pastor Daniel and the staff that's here. He's given me so much. He's prospered me. He's blessed me. Anybody here know what I'm talking about? Wave at me. God promises to bless. In fact, I didn't tell him to sing that song tonight, but the Holy Ghost did because the Bible tells us that he shows his love to a thousand generations of those who love and keep his commands. It says that in Exodus 20, verses 4 through 6. And there are many questions that are raised when we talk about the blessings of God. What does it mean to be blessed by God? Can we position ourselves in the blessings of God? Can they last for a lifetime? Can we hinder the blessing of God by what we do? There are many questions that are raised. But I want to talk tonight on how does one get started in being blessed by God? And that's what we're going to explore tonight. And it comes right out of the text here. When you look at Abram, we call him Abraham because God changed his name. When we look at Abram's life and our text, we notice something very fascinating. And you may have missed it when you read the Old Testament. But when you look at chapter 11, verse 31, Abram's father, Terah, took Abram and Sarai and his grandson, Lot, and they left to Canaan. They went to Canaan. They never made it. I don't know if you noticed that before, but they never made it. They got sidetracked. Instead, he settled in Haran where he died. Could it be that God had spoken to Terah, but he did not obey the Lord fully? And God, out of his mercy and grace, speaks to Abram, his son, to leave his country and people and his father's household and to go to a land that God would show him. And he gives Abram special promises you read right there in chapter 12, verses 2 and 3. And Abram obeys. Everybody say it with me. He what? And he goes to Canaan, something his father did not do. And there God appears to him and gives him another promise. He says, your offspring I will give this land to. Abram builds this altar and both at Shechem and of course in the hill country. Bethel was to the west and I was to the east. And he calls on the name of the Lord. What that's all about is he literally, God had revealed his name to Abram. He is now in intimate relationship with the living God. It's a covenant act. And out of that 
relationship. Abram becomes very wealthy in chapter 12. And God gives him great victory in battle. And Abram ties to God through Melchizedek in chapter 14, declaring that it was God who was his source of his blessing. And no one else would get the credit of Abram's wealth except God. Did you know when you tithe? Now, everybody listen to me because I'm sick and tired of people telling me this. Well, I don't tithe because tithe is is a part of the law and we're under grace. This makes you want to slap somebody. You say, what are you talking about? Abram tithed before the law. There was no law. Why would he tithe? Because instinctively he knew that he was in covenant relationship with the living God. And the number one thing you do when you're in covenant relationship is you honor the one in whom you're in covenant with. And the tithe was an act of honor, an act of declaring, God, you're the one who's going to supply all my need. That's why he didn't take the spoils from Sodom. That's why he didn't take the spoils when he defeated all of those kings. It's because he said, it's my God who's going to supply my need. Why do you think Paul wrote that? Because it's a covenant act. Way before, way before the law was given. The law wouldn't be given until 600 years later. Abram knew instinctively, I'm in covenant. I'm a tithe. That covenant act with God. As you read on in chapter 15, God promises Abram that he will have offspring as many as the stars in the sky. In fact, God makes covenant with Abram. Not just that Abram made covenant with God. God makes covenant with Abram. And in chapter 17, God changes Abram's name to Abraham and Sarai's name to Sarah because what was going to happen, he was going to become the father of many. And the sign of that promise being fulfilled was in his own body. It was the sign of circumcision. And God gave Abram and Sarah a child in their old age. Come on, somebody, get excited. Isaac, Isaac, and Sarah, her name would reflect who she is, the mother of nations. And in Genesis 18, we read why God chose Abram. Why did God choose you? It's the same reason. All the nation on earth will be blessed through Abraham so that Abraham will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just. That's your calling. You're here to be a blessing. You're here to raise a generation of people that know what's right and what's wrong so that the Lord could bring about what he promised Abram. God wants to fulfill his promises, but he's looking for a people He can fulfill them through. 
Can we have a covenant relationship with God like Abram did? Everybody say it with me. Yes. Oh, I can't hear you. Yes. What's so amazing is the prophet Jeremiah prophesies of the day that God would make a new covenant for all of humanity. Jeremiah 31, 31 through 33 the writer of Hebrews picks it up there in Hebrews 8. and he In fact, you can turn there to Hebrews 8. It's, a, it's an amazing passage of Scripture because there he calls it a new covenant. Everybody turn to Hebrews 8 just for a moment. I want you to see something. It's amazing, absolutely amazing. The writer of Hebrews understands what God's doing through the prophet Jeremiah. And you'll notice very clearly, verses 8 through 12, the time is coming, declares the Lord. He just quotes Jeremiah. When I will make a new covenant, everybody say a new covenant, with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. And it will not be like the covenant I made with their forefathers when I took them by the hand and led them out of Egypt because they did not remain faithful to my covenant and I turned away from them. This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel, declares the Lord. After, this, after that time, declares the Lord, I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. No longer will a man teach his neighbor or, or a man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, because they will all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, for I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. Somebody ought to be excited that there is a new covenant that all of us can be included in. And you begin to see this in the writer of Hebrews because he emphasizes how this covenant was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. In Hebrews 7.22, he says, Jesus has become the guarantor of a better covenant. In Hebrews 7, 24, it says, but because Jesus lives forever, therefore he is able to serve completely those who come, who save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Oh, somebody ought to be excited. In verse 28 of that same chapter, he sacrif sacrificed for their sins. Oh, come on. And for all, when he offered himself, in 8.13, he's by calling the covenant new. He has made the first obsolete, and what is obsolete will soon disappear. It's the new covenant that's going to last forever. Somebody say amen. amen. Hebrews 9.14, the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered, offered himself unblemished to God cleans our conscience from acts that lead to death so that we can serve the living God. Ho! Oh, verse 15 of chapter 9. For this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant, of a new covenant, that those who are called may receive oh, the promised eternal inheritance now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed 
under the first covenant. We're members of a new covenant because of Christ. Somebody ought to be excited here in Wasilla, Alaska. And the apostle Paul reaffirms all of this. In Romans 10, 4, he says, Christ is the end of the law so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. In Romans 10, 8, the word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith we are proclaiming that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified and it is with your mouth that you, are, that you confess and are saved. For there's no difference between Jews and Gentiles. Somebody ought to say hallelujah to that. The same Lord is Lord of all who richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Don't ever take for granted what Jesus has done. He has brought us into a covenant. The new covenant a covenant with the living God. Paul says something very profound in the book of Galatians. Turn there just for a moment in Galatians chapter 3. You say, Pastor, why all the verses? Because I want you to grab them, put them in your heart. I want to have them on paper. I want you to read them. I want you to know that. Galatians 3 verses 6 through 9. Take a look at this. It is amazing, amazing, amazing. Are you still with me here? Consider Abram. Abraham, he believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand that those who believe are children of Abraham. Who are you? Who are you? Do you believe? You're who? Understand that those who believe are children of Abraham. The scriptures foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. And announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who have faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. And if you go on to verse 13, he begins to tell the ramifications of that. Are you still with me? Are you sure you're still with me? Look at this. He redeemed us in order that the blessings, give the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Because you're a child of Abraham, through faith you have the blessings of Abraham on your life. You say, Pastor, why spend all this time on the blessing? It's because sometimes you don't realize what you've got. I tell a story in my sermon in my book, Power of Binding and Loosing. It's a story that shook me. You may have heard it. When I pastored in Honolulu before I moved to Maui in 1980, 
There was a bag lady that would come to church and you heard the story, but it was so profound it affected me. She would come and I would always treat her with great dignity. One day I heard that she was sleeping outside in Alamoana Park. She had no place to live and my wife and I grieved for her and, I, and we said, we got to get her an apartment. Now, I don't know if you have bag ladies here. I don't think you probably do because they'd freeze to death. But I'll tell you why. She, she would gather garbage and put them in bags, and it was her stuff. And I remember we rented her an apartment. This is Honolulu. Apartment rental in Honolulu is so expensive. You could buy a house for just paying the monthly rent. We got this apartment for her, and I remember bringing her to the apartment. She insisted on bringing all her bags of garbage, and I'll never forget it. I thought I had a brilliant idea. I said, let's go through this and separate what's good from bad. It was a bad idea because there were horrible things in those bags. Horrible. If I told you what was in those bags, you wouldn't remember a single thing I said after that. You'd be so grossed out. You'd say, forget it. I'm never coming back to this church again. <laughs> Did you know my wife had nightmares for three nights as a result of that? We got her in her little apartment. And it wasn't too long after that. God called us to Maui, and others took care of her, helped her. And I remember after I got to Maui, about a year later, I got a call from Pastor Sapp, who I'd been working with for nine years, five in California and four in Honolulu. He said, do you remember that bag lady? I said, yeah, how's she doing? He said, well, you know, she, she got hit by a car and she died. And I said, oh, I'm sorry to hear it. He said, but I thought I'd call you. I said, uh, okay, thanks. He said, because I just got a call from her trust fund. I said, excuse me? Her trust fund. Come to find out she was a wealthy woman. And I rented her an apartment. She had more money than I had. And I rented her an apartment in Honolulu. When he said that, I was angry. I'd been had. I hung up the phone in disgust. And the Holy Ghost spoke to me. He said, you're just like that bag woman. I've come in covenant with you. I've washed you in my blood. I've given you my name. You can ask for anything in my name. You walk around defeated. You walk around like a bag woman when I've blessed you. That's a message. Everybody say it. I'm blessed by God because I'm in covenant with God. Well, that brings me to the blessings of a family. The blessing of God on a family starts with a decision to come into covenant with God through faith in Jesus Christ and what he did for us through his life, death, and resurrection. The blessing on my life and that of Pastor Colleen started long before I was born. Pastor Colleen's dad, his father was a Christian, but his mother was not. Les Bovee was, was a man who was kind of, you know, he knew about church, but he never made a commitment until 
He became an adult and he moved in with his uncle who had invited him to San Diego and took him to church. And there he gave his heart to Christ. And there he met Colleen's mom, Irene, who was raised in a Christian home. And they got married. And they stayed in that church their entire life as long as they were in San Diego. And they were faithful. They were faithful. When people were leaving the church, they stayed. When things weren't going well, they stayed. They entertained missionaries in their home. And my wife got a core. It was a core of spiritual strength that no matter what happened to her, it was that core by the example of her mom and dad that kept her through all of the pressure of being Pastor Morocco's wife. And I'm pressure. And that God blessed her and blessed me with her. God ordained for us to be married. What a blessing. My, my mom and dad weren't Christians. Mom... Mom and dad were raised in secular homes. Dad was a nominal Catholic home because if you're Italian, you're Catholic. Like if you're Japanese, you're Buddhist. I mean, it's the same thing. And at 17 years old, dad had a friend who took him to a Pentecostal church. And dad thought they were all crazy. But he became one of them. It so shocked his family that his sister chased him around with a butcher knife trying to kill him. But he, yeah, Italians is right. <laughs> Any Italians in the house? Yay, yay, yay. But he kept his faith. He had a Tremendous opera voice, powerful. Family was going to send him to Rome to, to learn opera. But he said, no, I'm going to go to Bible school. My mom left home when she was 12 years old. Her mother died at two and her father, out of an Italian home, her father married one of those uh, brides that you bring over from Italy. And um, the stepmom didn't like my mom because she was the only child of the former wife. It was very difficult for her. At 12 years old, she left home. And she was taken in as a nanny for a family where she lived. And uh, that family took care of her. She took care of their kids. She graduated from high school, and she moved to go with an uncle it just so happened the uncle and his family were Pentecostal believers. She thought they were crazy too. One night she was home at their house and they were having a prayer meeting. She wasn't paying any attention to the prayer meeting and all of a sudden a cloud came to where she was. And out of that cloud, one single drop of blood came out of that cloud and it came to her. And the moment it touched her, she began to scream. And something happened in her where she was never the same again. That single drop 
of blood cleansed her mind and her heart. She soon got filled with the Holy Ghost and became a radical woman of God at that place. She wanted to go to Bible school, but she had no money. One day, one of her friends said, well, why don't you just apply to the Bible school? Why don't you just apply? She said, well, I don't have any money. He said, don't worry about it, just apply. So she applied, and she gets a letter back from the Bible school. She said, your first year has been paid for by an anonymous donor. goes to Bible school. She meets my dad, didn't like him. You know the first time they met? He was going out of the classroom. She was coming in. He knocked out all the books she was carrying and didn't stop to pick them up. How rude! That was her thinking. But my dad saw her. One day he wrote her a letter. God had given her a promise. That God would give him the desires of his heart. And he writes it in a letter and says, you're my desire. She got so mad at him. She wouldn't even, couldn't stand it. But God heard my dad's prayer. <laughs> and I'm the result. <laughs> Four boys later, and I was the fourth one coming out, and a daughter. God called them. My mom had a very unusual experience. She was in a, a prayer meeting at Bible college. And uh, the power of God hit that prayer room. She began to pray in tongues. She didn't know what she was saying. But standing at the door in the hallway was a, another student who was a missionary's child from India and who knew the language. And mom was crying out for India in the language of Hindi, the language of India. They went to India and started a Bengali church. Dad learned Bengali and spoke Bengali. He learned seven languages. I know one. Two, I pray in tongues. <laughs> oh, and pigeon, I'm sorry, but I'm not that good at it. I'm not that good at it. Josh is real good at it. Then they came back a second term, started to work in Calcutta, India, when everybody said, you can't do it. And God blessed that work today. It's one of the greatest works in all of India. Hospital, clinics, feeding, three, feeding thousands of children, schools all over India. The blessing of God on me 
started with mom and dad. Mom and dad Bovi and mom and dad Martha. But I had to affirm that decision for myself. And when I affirmed that decision, all of a sudden, the blessing that was on them now is on me, but now is being passed to my children. So that all three of my children are in the ministry. They're all powerful pastors operating in the power of the Holy Ghost. This morning, the reason I'm preaching this message tonight is in the first service this morning, you may not have noticed me because I get weird at times. I just kind of walk around. So while you were praying, I just walked over here and the Holy Ghost came on me. And he reminded me of a family. who for generations served the Lord, developed one of the great schools, missions projects in Europe. A family that for generations served the Lord and the blessings of God were on them. As I stood there, the Holy Ghost came on me and I began to weep. Because I saw something. I saw that those individuals that planted those works were crying out to God, Oh God, save my generations. Use them. Let, them. let the promises you gave me be fulfilled. Generations ago they prayed. end result I'm I'm telling you what I think this is true I think those who've gone before us like my mom and dad and my sister Debbie and my brother Dave they're haranguing Jesus they're saying Jesus you see my son help him this family that I cried and wept for this morning is a family in this house. It's Pastor Daniel Bracken. It's Brother Chris and John, their mama Mary. Generations, they were out of it. They were broken, but the prayers of God's people cried out. Chris, stand to your feet. God is going to use you. You have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. And I declare that the cry of your great-great-grandfather is going to be fulfilled. Pastor Daniel, quickly come. Stand there with your brother. Now, I don't know if your brother John's online or not. But I'm going to declare something's going to happen through you three Bracken kids. The declaration of prayers. Listen to me. Prayers do not end when I die. You know that's true. 
When you read the book of Revelation, there are incense coming before the Lord. Your prayers do not end. And God is going out of this house because he's planted you here to fulfill every dream, every vision God had placed in the hearts of generations way before you. But he's going to bring it forth in this generation through you. Get ready. Get ready. I see churches in Europe. I see churches in New York. I see churches everywhere your family has been. I see it happening. Shabbat shalom. Live holy and righteous. Do not let the enemy derail you. This is your mandate. This is your time. Shabbati. Etelaramapati. Pastor, I didn't have a Christian upbringing. Start it now. You're the watershed. You're the fountainhead. You make a decision for Christ today. And because of that decision, there will be blessings that will flow out of your life. God's intention is for every family to be in heaven together. That is God's intention. It was Noah and his family. It was the Philippian jailer and his household. What are these blessings that God yearns to give us? Well, God's intention is to bless his people. You have to understand it because one of the jobs of the Levites was to pronounce blessing in his name. You read it in Deuteronomy 10.8. The greatest blessings are spiritual. Forgiveness of sins, eternal life, the Holy Spirit's work in our life, a transformed life being made brand new, answered prayer, his presence. 2 Corinthians 5. 17, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. But there are other blessings. Many of you know them by heart because you pronounce them. Turn with me to Deuteronomy 28. They're profound blessings. Blessings that God wants to give you. Are you still with me here? Turn with me to Deuteronomy 28. Let me just read it. You know it by heart. You pronounce them almost every Sunday. Here they are. Look at this. If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all his commands, I give you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations on earth. All the blessings will come upon you and, your, and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. You will be blessed in the city and blessed in the country. The fruit of your womb will be blessed in the crops of your land and the young of your livestock, the calves of your herds. And the lambs of your flocks, the basket, and your kneading trough will be blessed. You will be blessed before when you come in and blessed when you go out. The Lord will grant 
that the enemies that rise up against you will be defeated. Somebody say hallelujah. They'll be defeated before you. They will come at you from one direction but flee from you in seven. The Lord will send a blessing on your barns and on everything you put your hand to. The Lord will bless you in the land he is giving you. The Lord will establish you as his holy people as he promised you on oath if you keep the commands of the Lord your God and walk in his ways. Then all the peoples on earth will see that you are called by the name of the Lord and they will fear you. The Lord will grant you abundant prosperity in the fruit of your womb, the young of your livestock, the crops of your ground is the, in the land he swore to your forefathers to give you. The Lord will open the heavens, the storehouse of his bounty and send rain on his land in season and bless all the work of your hands. Wow. You will lend to many nations, but will borrow from none. The Lord will make you the head and not the tail. <laughs> Somebody ought to say hallelujah. Take a look at Psalm 128 just for a moment. It's a profound psalm. If there's one psalm you'll want to know, it's this psalm. Listen to what he says, verses 1 through 4. Blessed are all who fear the Lord, who walk in his ways. You will eat the fruit of your labor. Blessings and prosperity will be yours. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your sons will be like olive shoots around your table. Thus is the man blessed who fears the Lord. I, I, I'm not convinced God wants to bless me. And can I tell you to do something? Take your hand as far away from your face as you can and let it go. Just let it go. Paul writes in Romans 8.32, He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? In 2 Corinthians 9, 8, and 11, he said, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, that in all things at all times, having all that you will need, you will abound in every good work. Verse 11 says, You will be made rich in every way. Is there some secret message there? No, you will be made rich in every way. So, everybody say so. so. That you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. God's speaking to us tonight. God wants to bless you and your family. You need to make a decision to come into covenant with God. Making Jesus the Lord of your life, you begin. Doesn't matter how you were raised. It doesn't matter where you've come from. The blessing of God begins with a decision. I choose. I choose. I choose. I choose to serve the Lord with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. My parents did that for me, and I'm blessed. I'm doing it for my kids as well as for myself. And they're going to be blessed and my grandkids are going to be blessed because my kids have chosen to make Christ their Lord and decided to follow him with all they are. You live it out. You say, well, Pastor, I used to, but I fell away. Then get your body back into the house. Get back into that covenant. Don't be stupid and continue the rest of your life 
brain dead. You make a decision to follow the Lord and serve him. Yes, you may have to pick up some mess. But that's okay. The Lord will help you make it right. But stay in there. Stay in that covenant. That's why we're here. We're here to establish the kingdom of God in this community. And the kingdom of God advances every time someone submits their will to the will of God and make Jesus their Lord. And all we are here is a people that have committed, made a decision to be blessed by God. And we go as his ambassadors to encourage others to come to the Lord and let the Lord bless them as well. Stand to your feet. As I was praying for Chris and Pastor Daniel and their brother John tonight, There are families here that have no idea the greatness of God. You just think, well, I'm just me. I've been always amazed by the way God works. Pastor Daniel came into the house years ago. He wasn't Pastor Daniel. He was a man struggling with addiction. His mind was broken. But the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost. Pastor Karen came into the house. She was far away from here. But the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost. Nearly all of my staff, all I can say is, but the Holy Ghost. But the Holy Ghost. But the Holy Ghost. It's the same Holy Ghost who wants to touch your heart, your life. I had a man who was an alcoholic in my church. I didn't know it. He'd come to church every once in a while, and then you wouldn't see him for a few weeks because he was on a drunk. Day my wife heard a word from God. I want you to start a ministry to drug addicts and alcoholics. And, and she told me, and I said, honey, I said, oh, great. But we don't know anything about that. We've never, we, we've never had drugs or alcohol. How are you going to minister? She said, I don't know. She said, but God spoke to me to start it. I said, all right. One day God spoke to her and said, there are people in the house that have been in prison, that are bound, and I'm going to send them to you because they're going to have a heart to want to help. She's sitting in the front row with the daily seed where people come up like you do here for the Zach conference. The young man walked by her, and the Holy Ghost said, Pick him. His name is Daniel. So she, she said as he was going back, Daniel, listen up. I want to start a ministry. Would you help me? He said, of course, Pastor Corbin, sure. She didn't know it. He was an alcoholic. She didn't know it. He'd been in prison. 
She didn't know that he was a drug addict. She didn't know any of that. His name was Daniel Rice, not Daniel Bracken. <laughs> Got to make that right. <laughs> this is recent. This is recent, just a few years ago. So he helps her. She started a ministry called Transformation. The thing is spread all over through KC. Hundreds of people are being delivered. And he, he started serving. You know what happened to him? He stopped drinking. He stopped drinking. He started, he started serving. And he had a passion for those in prison. He started going in the prison. Pastor Colleen would go as well, and they'd go in the prison. Well, it wasn't long before I said to him, I said, start a life group. He said, okay, what's that? I said, open up your home. And he had two people come. Between that life group, between the transformation, he began to grow in God. Do you know today he's a pastor on my staff? Did you know today he has his own extension in Kiev? Did you know there's a revival going on in the prison on Maui? A major revival. He went in the other day and he said, Pastor, he said, the men came up and they said, we're all having Bible studies and prayer meetings in this. The entire prison. Did you know that when the prisoners get released, we started a ministry, a house that they can go to. It's part of the transformation ministry. It's called the lighthouse. The judges recommend them to our lighthouse. And you know what they're doing? They're doing just what Pastor Daniel Rice did. They're all serving. They're all being changed. They're all they're ushers. They're greeters. They're everything. Don't tell me God can't use you. Tell me he can't use you. Don't you believe that lie? We'll get started. I may say, Pastor, I'm going to live a life in such a way that the blessing of God will be on my life and on my family's life. Lift your hands in the air and begin to praise him. Come on, just begin to praise him. Spirit of the living God. Spirit of the living God. I want the worship team to come up. I want you to sing that song again a thousand generations and we're going to sing it together come on lift your voice and begin to praise him come on begin to praise his him favor be upon you come in on. a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children may his favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children may his favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children his favor be upon you and a thousand generations favor be upon you and a thousand 
How many of you here have a family member that is not serving God? Now I'm going to ask you to lift your hands, leave them raised. We're going to intercede in prayer for them. Listen to me, please. Your prayers make a difference. I had a neighbor on Maui who lived next to me, Buddhist family. I began to pray for them, tried to witness, couldn't seem to communicate very well with them, but I began to pray. One day, a little Japanese man stood at my door, knocked on the door, elderly man. He said, are you Dr. Morocco? I said, yes. He said, my physician told me that I should see you because I have an incurable disease, and he said you could help me. He walked into my house. I laid my hands on him. He had cancer. And God extended his life many, many years. But out of that, just out of my praying, that family came to the Lord. They're not a part of my church, but they're a part of a good church on Oh, God, what if I hadn't prayed? What if I hadn't attempted to, to be used by you? I need every one of you to pray by name for those individuals. Now, lift your voice and begin to pray. Father, we come before you now. There's a mom, there's a dad, there's a brother, there's a sister. There's an auntie, there's an uncle. There's a child, a grandchild. A great-grandchild that needs salvation. Lord, I'm asking as names are called out before you, you would hear the cry of these who call out for their family to be saved. That daughter, that son, oh God, intervene, 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 oh God. Oh God, do it, do it, do it. Bring them in before it's eternally too late. Oh God, oh God. There are some people here who are gonna make a decision. And that decision is gonna change everything. I just feel like I need to pray with you over that decision, please. God gave me a revelation. It was an unusual revelation. I may have shared it with you before. Your pastor may have shared it because when I share revelations, my team shares them as well. The question came to me, how come angels can't repent? I don't think you've ever asked a question like that, but I'm weird. I'll ask questions like that. As I meditated on, I realized something. They made their decision in eternity. So their decision is eternal in its length. They cannot repent. The only reason you can repent is because you live in time. You live in a little bubble called time. With a progression of, progression of moments. You can make a decision here and then undo that decision later. But the moment you leave time, whatever your final decision is concerning Christ will be your decision for all eternity. 
You say, well, I'll wait till I'm on my deathbed now. I'll get saved. I'll sow my wild oats. You're stupider than I thought. Because you don't know when that last moment will be. You may never have a time to repent. And even on your deathbed, you have no guarantee you'll want to repent. Now is the time of salvation. But whatever that decision is, friend, listen to me. You'll carry it all the way into eternity. I pray your decision is to make covenant with God tonight. Every head bowed, everyone praying. How many would say, Pastor Morocco, tonight is my night. I'm going to get right with God. Let me see your hand. Lift it up now, quickly, all over the auditorium. Yes, God bless you. 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 So many all across this auditorium. God bless you. You can put your hands down. Those of you watching by streaming, this is your night. Don't put it off till tomorrow. You may not have it. You may not have tomorrow. We're going to pray together. Those of you that are backslidden, you come home tonight. Your family deserves the blessing of God. Don't you prevent the blessings from blessing them because of your rebellion. Everyone lift your hands right now before the Lord. Let's pray. Pray it out loud with me. Pray right out loud. Make it your prayer. Everyone, dear Jesus. I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins. Jesus, come into my heart. Be my Lord, my Savior. I confess you with my mouth that you are alive. You're my Lord, my Savior. I believe in my heart. You're alive, Lord. You rose from the dead. Tonight I ask, take complete control of me. Pull out of my life everything you're not pleased with and put into my life all that I need for life and godliness. I choose to serve you tonight with all my heart. And I ask that your blessing will be on me and all who know me, and all my children, and all my generations will be blessed because I'm in covenant with you, the living God, through your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for loving me. And thank you for hearing my prayer. Hallelujah. Oh, give praise to the Lord.
Who's that person who's been having a problem with your liver? Quickly come. Where are you? Where are you? Quickly come. Quickly come. You've been having a problem with your liver. Doctor said something about it. Where are you? Come up here quickly. You've been pain in that part of your body. Quickly come. Just pray in the Holy Ghost a moment. be online, I don't know, but I'm here to tell you God's healing you right now. Shabbat up and just put your hand right there in that part of the body. Shabbat about be healed in Jesus' name. Be healed in Jesus' name. Be healed in Jesus' name. Oh my. How many of you were with me at the property today. Let me see your name. I want you to be seated a moment because God spoke to me to do something. It's a prophetic act. Prophets do things that seem strange at times. Because God tells him to do it as a prophetic act. Like Agabus, who took Paul's belt and wrapped his own arms with it and said, the owner of this belt is going to be taken captive and given to the Gentiles when they go to Jerusalem. I was standing in that building, and one of the things is I spend a lot of time with lawyers and bankers, desperately working to try to get the financing Tonight, I want you to receive an offering for that building. I want you to put $1,000 in the offering. And there are people here that will match what you give and will even give more. And so I'm going to do that as a prophetic act. Now listen to me. There will come a moment when you stand before the Lord and what you do today, what you do in the next few months, make all the difference as to whether people get saved or not. It has little to do with the building. The building is just a tool. Buildings are worthless if they're not filled with people. But there's a building that's needed for the revival that's going to hit this place. And that's what it's built for. So I'm going to give a thousand. And there are people here that are going to do the same. I'm going to ask the ushers quickly to come. Ushers, quickly come. I want you to lift your hand if you're going to take an envelope. I'm going to take an envelope. You know what? I need you to help me. My, my purse is in the green room. My purse is in the green room. Somebody go get it. You go get it. You say, you have a purse? Yes, I have a purse. It's not a man bag, it's a purse. <laughs> you women had it right. I carry all my junk with me. It's awesome. Now I want you to give. Don't look at me like you're not going to. I want you to give. This is a prophetic moment. So I'm going to give a thousand and I'm going to give it in an envelope. So give me an envelope. I'm all right. 
said, did you tell your wife? No, the Holy Ghost is going to have to tell her. <laughs> She'll find out soon enough. But she is so generous, it don't matter. given very much this year, Pastor. Yeah. It's been the greatest year of my giving. We'll shatter 160,000 that we've given this year. I don't ask you to do something I don't do. I just get a normal salary. I have to believe for thousands of dollars to come to my hands so I can give them. So don't look at me weird. And don't you be offended or I'll slap you. on your phone, you come and hit the altar with it. This is a prophetic moment. You have an envelope, come lay it here. Quickly come. Quickly come.
pastors when you come, ministers when you come. you want to pray, Pastor? Come on, pray. God. I'm going to put my hand on here. Everybody say multiply. Multiply. You say, do you know what you're talking about? I know what I'm talking about. I know what God's done for me. So you, you, you multiply it with me. We need, we need $12 million. We've already spent almost 11. Are you hearing me? Lift your voice. Let's pray. Father, I come now, and this is a prophetic act of monies that will flow into this place. Whether it be large or small, monies will come forth. Lord, that building will be built. People will be saved. We'll see a major revival that will sweep this state and out of this place just like you did on Maui. There will be churches that will be birthed all over the world and all over the United States. So, Lord, we declare, we declare, we declare multiplication. Finances will flow through us so we could be generous on every occasion. So bless those who've given. Bless their families as a result. And bless this house. Reach your hand out to Pastor Daniel and Pastor Karen. Lay hands on them. Come on, people, begin to pray. Spirit of the living God. Spirit of the living God, come upon them in great power. The anointing that breaks the yoke will come upon them. When they speak, chains will be broken off of people. When they pray, lives, lives will be changed. When they lay hands, the power of your spirit will be demonstrated. They will move in a dynamic greater than they've ever known. Lord, as you have been so kind to anoint them, I pray for increase of that anointing. And the people of this house will see it and rejoice. I declare it done. I declare it done. Shalarama Batiti. Pastor Karen, you're going to speak with greater strength and greater freedom and the things that have attempted to hold you back are being broken off you're going to rise as a woman of God noted in this community there will be pastors wives there will be people that will flock to you to hear the word of the Lord 
And in your sweet and gracious way, you're going to speak life. You're going to be strong. Your voice will be strong. God will use you in greater measure, more than you know. Pastor Daniel, your prophetic gift, your prophetic gift is going to another level. You've prayed for it for years. You're going to find yourself operating in great freedom, greater than you've known. There will be people that will come to this house to get a word. And you'll have the word for them. People will seek you out for a word. Hallelujah. Lift your hands, let me bless you. I was reading the Gospel of Luke many years ago. I saw something I'd never seen before. Jesus was ascending, the last thing he did on planet earth is he lifted his hands and he blessed his disciples and he spoke to me. He said, every Sunday morning, when you close the service, you bless the people. The Levites would bless, declare a blessing. I leave to go back to Maui, but I'm going to bless you in the name of the Lord. And it's a real blessing. Bless them in the city, bless them in the field. Bless them in their homes and on their job. May your face shine upon them and give them peace. May they be the head and not the tail, the lender, not the borrower, above and not beneath. May they prosper and be in health as their soul prospers. May your loving kindness and tender mercy surround them everywhere they go. May they find favor. Put them in the right place at the right time for divine appointments. May no evil come nigh their dwelling. May your angelic host protect them. May they walk in the spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And everywhere they go, may they find favor, 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 favor. May the blessings because of their decisions be transferred generationally beyond them. May they be a blessing in this community and beyond. May their children rise up and call them blessed. And may this week they be used mightily as your voice, your hands, your feet to bring life to a needy world. I declare it done in the mighty name of Jesus. And all in agreement said, Amen. God bless you.
We'll see you Wednesday night. God bless you. God bless you upstairs. Thank you for being with us today. We love you. Praise the Lord. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages.